Let's take our Bibles tonight, please turn to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. All these songs about heaven, the Lord is... Before church, I was in my office and I was just going over my message and I thought, why am I not preaching on heaven? And prayed about it and the Lord just kind of changed my message. So, Revelation chapter 21 tonight. Let me see if I can teach you a chorus. I, you, some of you have likely heard it. It's an old, old song, but it's, I'm going to live forever. How many of you know that chorus? I'm going to live forever. You know that chorus? All right. Sing it with me if you know it. All right. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to die no never. Jesus died on the tree for me. So I'm going to live forever. How many of you heard that before? In a sweet chorus. Let's sing it again. Let's try it again. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to die no never. Jesus died on the tree for me, so I'm going to live forever. There's a verse that says this, I know my name will never be written down upon a marquee, but my name is written down in the book of life. Praise Lord. And that's enough for me. You know, the world is just thirsting for fame and power. But my name is in the book of life. And I don't, I don't relish this. I don't cherish this moment at all. But one day, and please don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not happy about this. All these idols that we have, these movie stars, these rock stars, will all be cast in lake of fire. But our names are written down in the book of life. I wish they'd be saved. But all those things that we idolize, the most important thing, I know my name is there. Sing it again. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to die no never. Jesus died on the tree for me. So I'm going to live forever. Amen. Take, Take that to bed with you when you can't sleep. You know, when you're, when you're worrying and fretting about things, just rehearse that chorus in your mind. I'm going to live forever. I'm going to live forever. In the presence of Jesus. You know, a million years from now, all your troubles and trials, even if you live to be 100 years old, they're going to seem so far away in such a short space of time that you'll, you'll never, ever even think about it again. I'm going to tell you why tonight, because God shall wipe away all tears. From your eyes. Turn to Revelation chapter 21 tonight. Revelation chapter 21. Thank you for singing tonight. A little bit different tonight. Sometimes we have, this morning we had some highbrow kind of music. I'm not trying to insult it. I just don't know how to call it other than that. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King. I like it. That's good stuff. And then sometimes we have some anthems and things that we sing. And tonight we kind of sang, like I said, banjo music. And uh, just kind of from the heart about heaven and songs about heaven and with a lot of joy. And uh, I'm going to tell you from where we stood, you can, you can ask Amanda or Sarah or Gerald or Kevin. It sounded pretty good up here. And uh, it was good to hear you folks sing and enjoy. I tell you what, it's easy to sing about heaven, isn't it? 
We don't like singing songs that, that are funeral songs because they kind of discourage us, maybe take us to thoughts in our mind, though they teach us and they help us understand doctrine and things, but they take us to places that we go, wow, I, I don't know. But to sing about heaven, boy, that's, that's an exciting thing. To sing about Jesus, that's an exciting thing. And so thank you for singing well tonight. Revelation chapter 21, look in verse 1. It says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is John the Revelator speaking, John the Apostle of God. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Understand what the scripture is saying right there. The tabernacle, it's not talking about God is going to pitch a tent in the middle of this great city. The tabernacle represented the presence of God. The presence of God is with man. God shall dwell among us and we shall be his people. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things that are passed away. He that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and adulterers and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time we've spent singing about heaven tonight. And Lord, help us never to lose sight that we're not just looking for a mansion or streets of gold, though we sing of those things. Lord, we're, we're thankful tonight for what you've prepared for us. We're thankful that in order to have those things, we understand that Jesus Christ shed his blood, that he died for our sins, that we might find forgiveness and grace and mercy, that we too can have a heavenly home. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that to be in heaven is in the presence of God. Lord, not a spiritual presence that we experience now, but into the literal physical presence of God. Help us, Lord, as we consider some of these things tonight. Lord, I need your help. Change my direction just before the service. And Lord, I, I need you to bless your word. Fill me with your spirit, I pray. I surrender to thee. Help us, Lord, each one of us. We'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, I was preparing for a Remembrance Day service. By the way, on November the 7th, it is our anniversary weekend, but we'll have a joint Sunday school time that day. And from 9.45 to about 20 after 10, we'll have a Remembrance Day service right here at the church. The children for everybody. I was preparing for that service, and I got onto a blog called the Welcome Home blog. Somebody had told me about it, another pastor friend, and said, look here at some of these videos of soldiers coming home from war. I didn't dare show them in church because, I'm going to be honest, you just weep through them. 
to see a soldier coming home after battle. And, and you know, there, there's a lot of glad reunions in this life. I, uh, in the last several years, we've seen our children go to college and come home, or they've moved away, and when they come home, that's a glad reunion. Paul got to see his family after two years last week because of COVID. And it was such a blessing to see David and, and John and their granddaughter and their daughter-in-law and to, to reunite, and there's this special blessing. But when a soldier comes home, when they left, you didn't know if you'd ever see them again. There's that added stress of the daily wondering if the next phone call or a messenger would come with bad news. But to see them walk through the door is a time of rejoicing. The Bible talks about a time like that. You know the Bible says that we are to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, we're to put on the whole armor of God, implying that we are soldiers of the cross. And I I imagine there are some soldiers that have already gone home, that have gone through tribulation and trial and persecution and given their very lives for the sake of the gospel. And they have been welcomed home with a hero's welcome. But there's those who are still on our way. Boy, we look forward to getting home. But to hear those words when we do, well done, Thou good and faithful servant is the heart of every child of God. I hope you're striving to hear those words. To serve him in such a way that you be well pleased with the things that you have done. I'm going to be honest with you. I find it difficult at times if somebody were to say to me, where do I go five minutes after I die? Where will I be? This I know from the scriptures. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. To be absent from the bodies, that should be enough. I don't know necessarily what that means. You say, well, they got their heavenly mansion. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what's he say next? I will come again and receive you unto myself. Unless Jesus Christ has come again, they haven't got a mansion yet. They haven't got that place prepared for them yet. All I know is to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm looking forward to that day when Jesus comes. I believe Revelation chapter 21 tells us about that heavenly home. Yes, I believe the moment I die, I will be in the literal presence of Jesus Christ. I don't know exactly what that is. I know that when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and sounds the trumpet, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall be raised and that we will be taken to heaven. And and I, I believe that at that time we will meet Jesus face to face. I believe that. I believe it's a place with no more pain or sorrow. Somebody says, well, you know, there's no tears in heaven. Revelation chapter 21 is after the thousand year millennial period and it's not until then that God wipes away our tears. He said, why would God wipe away their tears? Because in Revelation chapter 20, the Bible says the books are opened. And those who are not found written in the Lamb's book of life shall be cast into the lake of fire. That's going to cause some tears. And God will come along and wipe them all away. And I believe when he does, he must have to wipe some of that memory away as well. For how could we ever remember those things and not weep? But heaven is a place that we look forward to. And one day, the Bible speaks of a new Jerusalem. God will make a new heaven and a new earth, and upon that new earth, he will place a new Jerusalem. We sing a song. It's not a song I like at all, to be honest with you. When the saints go marching in, 
You know that song, right? Kind of a ragtime, New Orleans type thing. Oh, when the saints go marching in, I don't like it. I just don't. But that's what it's talking about right here. When every child of God all at once goes into that heavenly city, the new Jerusalem will come down in Revelation 21, and we'll all enter in together. And God is standing at the door and wiping away all the tears as we enter into that place. I want to talk about that city a little bit tonight. For as far as I can see in the Word of God, that's what we mean when we say eternity. Understand, if I were to die today, I would go to the literal presence of God. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, I would wake up in His presence. I believe that. But I also believe that if I were to die today and the trumpet of God were to sound tomorrow, my body would be raised. And I'd be taken to heaven. And there, there'd be the grand, the supper of the lamb and the marriage supper of the lamb and all these things would take place during a seven year tribulation period. Then God would come and set up a millennial kingdom on earth at his second return. And for a thousand years, I'd be back on this earth. He said, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that we move around a little bit. Listen, heaven is not, we, we can sing about it and we can get excited about it and we look forward to it, no doubt. Heaven is not about mansions, it's not about streets of gold, and it's not about crystal seeds and walls of jasper and pearl and all those things. It's about the very presence of God. We have been separated by the fall of sin and God says, come on home. You've been forgiven. And Jesus Christ himself shall wipe away all your tears and reconcile you to the Father and you are his forever. We'll live in the new Jerusalem. Notice what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 21. I want you to notice, first of all, we see the revelation of our future. And I, John speaking, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. God has revealed to John the revelator many, many things. And if you look back in Revelation chapter 1... Turn all the way back to the beginning of this book and notice what it says in verse 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. Now this was written probably about 1900 years ago. A little bit longer than that, 1930 years ago approximately. About the year 90 A.D. And God said these things will shortly come to pass. Now, understand with God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. And so uh, just a vapor of time has passed in the mind of God. But uh, for those that are believers today, we believe it's very soon. God has said these things will shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified by his angel unto his servant, uh, John. And the Bible says down in uh, verse Five, he says, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from sins in his own blood. He's saying this is the testimony and the witness of Jesus Christ. Now I'll look back in Revelation 21. He says in verse one, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Now let me ask you this. What has John been doing for 21 chapters at this point? Somebody say it. He's been writing. Amen? 
So he's been touring heaven. He's been seeing all the seals and the bowls and the vials poured out and the trumpets sounding off. And he's been seeing the judgment of God upon man. He's been seeing the return of Christ, uh, uh, the mighty and the true, riding upon a white stallion. And we see all of this unfold before our eyes. And John is just feverishly writing and writing and writing and writing and writing. And all the things that we see in Revelation, John has written 20 chapters. There's been a time where he's been told not to write because it's not lawful to be spoken out loud. But notice what he says in verse 5 of Revelation 21. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. But listen, I, I, I find this funny. I don't know if you will. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. John has been walking all through heaven with angels. You say, yeah, the Bible says he tried to bow down and worship one. The angel says, no, 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 I'm, I'm not God. Stand up. I'm just like you. He's been walking through heaven with angels. He's been talking with Jesus. He's been seeing all kinds of things that have been happening on earth. But now he comes into the throne room, and I think he dropped his pen. I think he was so overwhelmed by the situation in the very presence of Almighty God that he begins to see what is going on and God says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth and the first heaven and the first earth and I, John, saw the holy city and I heard a great voice out of heaven and God is wiping away all the tears from their eyes and then I saw him that sat upon the throne. Behold, I make all... When I, when I see that, I, I think my hair blowing back. I'll have hair in heaven. Leave me alone. But I just hear the voice of God in that mighty voice and just blowing us backwards. And he has to turn, John, 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 John. Right! Right. Well, John's been writing for 21 chapters. Hey, when you get into the very presence of God, things change. I believe at that moment, John was so overwhelmed, he forgot what he was there for. He says, John, right. For these things are true and faithful. Amazing thing. And we see the revelation of our future. Notice, if you will, the revelation of our future goes hand in hand with the realization of our faith. I'm looking forward to the day that we will meet Jesus face to face. So we will stand very much in that throne room in the presence of God. And John says, I stood there. And he says, I heard that voice say, behold, I make all things new. Right, for these words are true and faithful. Turn, if you will, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of that same promise. For he looked for a city, listen, which found, hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God." Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even one of them, even of one, and him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, listen, having not received the promises but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them. That, that means they held them in their hands like they were real and confessed 
confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from where they came, from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared for them a city. The Bible says that Abraham and Sarah rose up out of the earth, the Chaldees, and they went from Mesopotamia into the promised land, into Canaan land, because they believed that God was going to build something for them. And the Bible says they all died in faith. They never received the promise, but they embraced it. And they had hope that God, listen, as they journeyed through that land, as pilgrims and sojourners, they understood this. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. And they looked forward to a place called heaven. And though they never realized on earth, the moment they died, they entered in the presence of God. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament reference for heaven was Abraham's bosom, a place called paradise, a place of eternal comfort. Abraham and Sarah realized, listen, this is 3,500 years ago, and they had faith that God had a place called heaven. Listen, over and over throughout the Bible, we have a, a hope of heaven. Revelation chapter 21 is our chapter. Look back there with me and look at verse 2. And it says, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Listen to this. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. A place that's been prepared. Look at verse 9 of that chapter. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven uh, from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, and had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels and names written thereon which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel on the east three gates on the north three gates on the south three gates and on the west three gates and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and in them the names of the 12 apostles of the lamb and he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof and the city lieth four square and the length is as large as the breadth and he measured the city with a reed 12,000 furlongs the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal and he measured the wall thereof 140 and four cubits according to the measure of a man that is of the angel and the building of the wall of it was of jasper and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass and the foundations of the wall of the city city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third a chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh christodite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a, a chrysomrasis, the eleventh a jacinth, and the twelfth an amethyst, and the twelve gates were twelve pearls. And listen, they were not gates made out of pearl, they were a pearl. Those are some big oysters. They were gates made of one Pearl. Think about that. I, I remember years ago teaching a Sunday school class, and we had the boys come up, and they were drawing on the board. And I said, "Let's let's just draw." We were in a, a, a Wano program. I said, "Let's draw what we think heaven might look like." And a boy, we were reading this chapter, and we were going through different things, and he drew a, a gate with a great big pearl like this beside it. And I th thought he drew the empty tomb with the stone rolled back. And I said, what, "What is this you're drawing? Is that the empty tomb?" He says, "No, that's heaven. The Bible says it's one pearl." 
An eight-year-old little boy straightened me out on that. But I got thinking, every time we walk into that city, it's going to look like an empty tomb. Remind us of the finished work of Calvary. Isn't God wonderful? Notice what he says. Continue reading verse 22. And I saw no temple there, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, or maketh a lie, but that which are written in the Lamb's book of life. What a wonderful place, this place called heaven. Let me move quickly on. The Bible says this, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. I'm looking forward to it one day. We see the revelation of our future. Secondly, I want you to notice we see the release of our failures. The release of our failures. Go back to Revelation chapter 21. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. No more sea. That's kind of an odd thing to put in there, isn't it? No more sea. The Bible talks about in Revelation chapter 3 that before the throne of God, there's a crystal sea. Later on, we will see that in Revelation chapter 22, the river of life flows out of the throne of God. But there's definitely a place called the crystal sea in heaven. So why does it say here, no more sea? I think I understand. I can share with you a few thoughts about that tonight. No more sea. No more sea. Here's why. The sea represents death. Revelation chapter 20, verse 15 says, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Verse 13 says, And the sea gave up their dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. There's no more sea. No more lake of fire. No more fear of condemnation. We are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are sealed forever by God himself. And when we get to heaven, there's no more fear. No more fear of hell. The sea represents death. Secondly, the sea represents the domain of sin. Listen to this. I won't have you turn there. Micah 7 verse 19. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. That is the place that God has buried our sins. In Revelation chapter 21, he says, I make all things new and there will be no more sea. Why? Because down the bottom of that sea is where all your sins have been buried. It represents sin. The sea represents despair. Psalm chapter 68 says, The Lord said, I will bring again from Bashan, I will bring my people again from the depths of the sea. How do you remember Jonah? Jonah was plunged to the depths of the sea, and it was there that he despaired most. 
God says, I will bring my people from the depths of the sea because it was a place of great despair, great sorrow. The sea represents definitive separation from God. In Jonah, we see that when Jonah was at the bottom of that sea, he said, I cried by reason of mine afflictions unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of hell, cried I, that thou heardest my voice, for thou hadst cast me into the deep in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about all the billows, and thy waves passed over me. But the moment we step into heaven, it's all gone. No more despair. No more death, no more sin, no more separation. We're released from our failures. I'm thankful that when God wipes away all my tears, I don't know that I'll just be mourning what just happened at the lake of fire. I may also, like John, stand in the presence of God and drop my pen and wonder, am I worthy? All the things I've done in my flesh, am I worthy? God says, you're forgiven. He wipes away all my tears and he welcomes me home. What you notice the third thing we see in this passage about heaven. We see the royal presence of the Father. Look at Revelation chapter 21 and verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. They shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. You know, if verse 3 is the only verse of Revelation we had, I think it'd be enough. Knowing one day that God shall dwell among us and we shall be his people. He's given us so much more than that, but to know that he is among us and he loves us and he cares for us. The royal presence of the Father. Notice some things about him. Number verse 4, we see his tenderness. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, nor any more pain, for the former things are passed away. We see his tenderness. We see his touch. We see his transformative power in verse 5. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. You know, the day you got saved, the Bible says you became a new creature in Christ. But that's the inner man. How many of you know you still got flesh? And that flesh is dying every day. It's getting older. It's corrupting. But one day, the Bible says, when that trumpet sounds, that which is sown in corruption shall be raised incorruptible. That which is sown in mortality shall be raised immortal. And God is in heaven saying, behold, I did that. I make all things new. We'll have a glorified body to be able to spend eternity in the presence of God. Listen, friend, that's what heaven's all about. You'll notice in Revelation chapter 21, do you, do you know... John chapter 14 is one of my favorite passages. I, I, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I never sat down to memorize it. I just, I've read it so many times, it's just in my heart. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me and my Father. I love that passage of Scripture. It just, it just, it's in my heart. John got to hear it from the lips of Jesus. Think about that. 
John, that's writing in Revelation years and years later, some believe 60 years later, got to hear those words directly from the lips of Jesus. I go to prepare a place for you, John. In my father's house are many mansions, John. I mean, he could put his name on the letter. Matter of fact, they did put his name on the letter, didn't they? It's John chapter 14, by the way. It was the Holy Spirit that inspired John's heart to remember those words and to put pen to paper. But in Revelation chapter 21, John never says, where's my mansion? Where's this place you promised? Do you see it there? Where in Revelation chapter 21 does John ever say, show me to my mansion, I want to see what I've inherited? John says, no, no, no. Right here is the most important place in the world, right here in the presence of God. I'm not not worried about those things right now. Maybe one day John would get his mansion later on. But for now, he's in the presence of God. That's what heaven's all about. The song that I really enjoy, and I I don't know if anybody sings it around here. I, I don't know if I've ever heard it. Sue used to sing it, Mr. and Mrs. Pipe. It's called, I'd Still Want to Go. If there were no mansions on the hills of glory, if there were no streets of gold, no crystal river, no angel choir singing. I'm, I'm throwing words all around here. Oh, Lord, I'd still want to go. Just as long as his face I see. And that's what the song says and just keeps talking about, I just want to see him. I don't care about all those other things as long as Jesus is there. That's what heaven's about, the presence of Christ. Listen, all that other stuff is bonus. My wife loves cake. He said, what's that got to do with this sermon? Hold on, I'm getting there. Am I lying? I bought her a cake for lunch today. It had her three favorite words all in one sentence. Chocolate, fudge, cake. That's a good combination right there. Cake is is good. I like cake too. You like cake? Everything else is just the icing. I like the icing too, but I, I like the cake. But then you put the icing, you put, sometimes you cut a cake, you want to get the big rose, you know, the big flower on there, or whatever it is, a balloon if it's a birthday cake or something. You want that big hunk of icing, you want all that sugar. I mean, it's good. It's just icing, though. Sometimes, I I went to a wedding one time, and they had this cake, and it looked beautiful, and they put fondant on it. It's like chewing a rubber tire. It's terrible stuff. I don't, maybe you like it. I don't know. I don't like it. So if you're making me cake, don't use fondant, all right? I'm just telling you. It's like chewing rubber. I can't stand it. And you cut through it, and you just peel it off like a banana peel almost, throw it away. It's horrible stuff. That cake looked pretty, but it sure didn't taste good. Once you got inside, it was okay. I'm just saying, Jesus is what we're longing for. He's the cake. All this other stuff is icing. It's window dressing. Boy, it's wonderful to have a street of gold. It's wonderful to have a mansion. It's wonderful to have all these things that we're talking about. But Jesus, that's why I want to go. To be in his presence for all eternity. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a moment tonight. Let me ask you, are you headed there? Heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Jesus didn't say, I go to prepare a place for everybody. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Listen to this. You believe in God, 
believe also in me. You had to have faith in Christ before that promise would kick in. Then he said to his disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. Because they had done just that by putting their faith in Christ. By the way, that's the very same passage, verse 6. Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas because of this. He says, well, how, how can we know the way, Lord? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh the Father but by me. Let me ask you tonight, are you on your way to heaven? Are you on your way to heaven? Don't let my poor delivery turn you off of anything tonight. Lord just kind of laid this on my heart at the last minute and kind of fumbled around a little bit. Don't let that turn you off. Don't say, oh, the preacher kind of messed up that. Listen, don't listen to the messenger tonight. Listen to the message. Heaven is prepared for those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you want to live forever in his presence, you must know him. You must be forgiven of your sins. If you want your sorrows wiped away, your, your, your tears all wiped away, listen, he took my sins and my sorrows, and he made them his very own. He bore my burdens to Calvary. He suffered and bled alone. If you want to know that tonight, you must know him. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ, and we can help you. We'll show you what a Bible says about having eternal life through Jesus Christ. Can we help you tonight? Is there one say, Pastor, I'm not sure I'm saved. If I were to die tonight, I'm not sure where I'd spend eternity. Would you slip up your hand tonight? I'm not going to embarrass you. Nobody's looking around. Could I pray for you? Is there one? I want to know I'm on my way to heaven. I don't want to experience chapter 20 being cast in the lake of fire eternal separation from God I need to be saved is there one just slip up your hand don't let your pride keep you from going to heaven don't let fear is there one amen let's stand to our feet tonight if God has spoke to your heart the altar is open